Welcome, everyone, to this week's edition of the Bombercast. I'm your regular co-host, The Grizz, here together with your other regular co-host, Bonson34. Apologies if I'm a bit out of practice, uh, and we apologize for the delay in podcasts. Um, although we sound awfully professional, sometimes life doesn't allow it. But Bonsa, unfortunately, despite the fact we've uh, been away for three weeks, we've got zero wins from that last three weeks to talk about, including two days ago against Sydney. How are you, Bonts? Yeah, it's been a disappointing few weeks to be an Essendon fan, if we're if we're probably being honest. <laughs> another brave, another brave loss, which um, is pretty hollow, if I'm if I'm honest. I I, mm. I had a discussion with um with Owen eighty seven not on the board, but somewhere else. And um, he said, oh, you know, at least we didn't get blown away. And I just sent a loss is a loss. And him and I had a bit of a disagreement about that because, you know, he wanted to sort of take some positives, but I was pretty down the dumps afterwards because, you know, it, it just seems like a repetition of previous seasons a little bit in that, you know, we, yeah. we get to a stage where we're competitive and then we get it and then we get a reality check and then we get a couple of brave losses and then we just sort of fade away so yeah. but we'll talk about whether or not we're going to fade away later um you know just yeah it was pretty pretty disappointing on i thought on, on saturday night that you know we sort of played for probably about a quarter maybe a quarter and a half and as a result you know didn't get the chocolates yep i, I didn't take much positive out of the game I, the last quarter was basically it um when we got the game back on our terms but it's interesting you say another brave loss i don't feel like we've had a brave loss since the adelaide win to be honest, like Geelong was horrendous. The Bulldogs, I think the the scoreline flattered us, even though we lost by forty points. And then it's obviously this week, really, it was one good quarter of football. If we're being brutally honest, it was Sydney not be able to go with us on the clearances. But you know, the two points, not bad, I suppose. But there's no way we shouldn't have won this game. And I'm being really blunt with that like you look at the stat pro and stats aren't everything and we can talk about how the game's been played but when you're i think it's like plus 23 in inside 50s and plus 22 in contested possessions plus you know basically plus 13 in clearances you should not be losing a game at eddie had stadium or marvel stadium sorry you should not lose that game we had a 37 percent efficiency going inside 50 so for the people listening home going what the flip does that mean grizz that means we were scoring Every third time we went inside 50, Sydney scored better one in every two. So that's the difference in the game. Sydney were just way more efficient than we were on the outside. And I suppose when you play at Marvel, if you can't take advantage of your clearance work, then the ball just goes flying back the other way. I mean, the other thing, obviously, that we have to keep in mind is, you know, Sydney lost Buddy very, very early in the piece. Mm. You know, so that, that, that completely stuffed their structure, losing Buddy so early. Um, although, you know, Marty did play well, but... He's, he's no Buddy Franklin. And, and Dane Rampey was on one leg for pretty much, you know, two and a half quarters himself. So Sydney yeah. weren't exactly at full, full tilt, which also I think I think just adds adds to the disappointment mm-hmm. personally. Yeah. Now, we also managed to play Jake Lloyd back into back into form without entry inside <laughs> 50, as you sort of just pointed out then, because, you know, he had 31 touches against us. He was okay against Fremantle a week ago, but wasn't great. And that was when I mean, he was coming back from an injury. You know, he got subbed out against Richmond because he was injured. His season's sort of been okay, but not great. Uh, and we made him look like the Jake Lloyd of 2019, 2018, really, yeah. on Saturday night, which was incredibly disappointing because, you know, as you said, going forward, we just weren't at all what you would call positive. Um, mm. And we just fluffed too many chances. And, and a, a big culprit, I think, and he, he wasn't solely responsible, but I think even though he kicked four, Peter Wright was, was a big culprit for us not capitalising on those 
inside yeah. 50s because he had had hands of cement on, on Saturday night. Yeah, and to be honest, he kicked 50 goals for us last year, which great effort, not doubting that. And I think he can be a wonderful complimentary piece. But we, we seem obsessed with playing a second ruck to avoid him playing in the ruck. And I just I'm starting to think he's not your number one forward. He's your he's your gun number two that every team needs. They can chop out in the ruck, you know, and I, I think the thing that stops him from being that number one key forward player is he just can't, like you said, clunk marks under any sort of physical pressure in the air. Which when you're 203 centimeters and you're 100 plus kegs, you have that. That has to be a one wood when you've got front position. And it's like he plays not knowing or expecting that there's going to be body contact. Like he must be the easiest player to play on in terms of just if you get any body spoil on him. And for people at home, when you say Body spoils like when you don't even touch the ball with your fist, but you just jump into the back with your chest and put them off balance. He just doesn't seem to be able to hold anything, and it looks like he's getting infringed because he's pushed under the ball all the time. But he just doesn't have—I don't know if it's core strength or the leg strength. I don't know what it is to hold his position and to hold sort of his body balanced enough to clutch the ball. And you know, he kicked four, and we're sitting here going, "Mate, he cost us the game," but. Yeah, it just goes to show the gap, I suppose, between what he is and what he could be. Um, but at 26 years old, what are you expecting from him? But, you know, his partner, well, not his partner in crime, I, I would argue the main kahuna up forward now, Kyle Langford, 40 goals for the year. I would argue he's the biggest plus from this season. If you were to say what's the biggest positive out of this year, it would be Kyle Langford, I think. I just want to quickly touch on back to Peter Wright with his contested marking. So, So when he came to us, he came from the, to the Suns, and it wasn't really a strength of his. He, he was actually, and but when he first came to us, he wasn't that bad. And last year was actually quite good. Um, he, you know, he averaged. I mean, it, it sounds silly to say he averaged two a game, and but like he he had improved in that area. And so when he when he was on, he was on with that. But this year, he just seems to reverted back to his Gold Coast days, where as you said, he just can't he can't take a mark under pressure, which is bitterly disappointing. For us, but but yeah, Langford's probably definitely been the most positive. I think you, you could find for us this year. I think it was Bunk bumped one of his threads for about 2015. And to be honest, I think there's probably about there's probably a dozen posters, two dozen posters who could who could do the same thing and and bump a post from 2016 or 2017 <laughs> or whatever. He's saying this bloke is a forward. Why are we playing as mid? This bloke is a forward. Why are we playing as mid? And all of a sudden you're playing forward. And the thing is, he's kicked 40 goals. He hasn't played forward all year. So, so that's it. That's the, that's the thing that, that I think, you know, I, I get there was only a, probably maybe two or three games where he went down back. Yeah. But, you know, if he, if he played forward all year, you know, that 40 goals suddenly looks, you know, 50 goals. And you're starting to talk like the best season that Essendon forwards had since Matthew Lloyd type, type numbers. If, if he'd sort of been there the whole time. And look, I mean, what do we got? We got what, four games to go, and he's averaging two goals a game. So, you know, there's 50 goals are still on target. He'll still probably fall below what Peter Wright scored last year, which is also why I'm probably prepared to stand by Peter <laughs> until the end of next year. Um, in terms of number one v number two, whether or not he can do the do the job. So, yeah, you know, Langford has been exceptional. I think the other, po- I reckon the other positive I'd probably take out of it. This year, and and again, I thought they were, I thought they were okay on Saturday night. Was our, our defence? I, I get that Amadi got hold of us, and you know, Papley kicked a couple, and but again, there just wasn't that midfield pressure. And so, 
I, I don't know how much football you've played, Grizz, but if you're a defender and there's no midfield pressure, it is the shittest place on the ground to be. And I thought <laughs> they were I thought they were admirable again. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Just on Langford, I, I feel like Bunk's not on an island there saying Langford's going to be a good forward. I feel like half the board was saying that basically the entire time. It's yeah, that's what, that's what I said, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, probably, it's probably a dozen or two posters that could bump. I mean, I think I've yeah. got posts there that I could yeah. have bumped easily. But like it goes to, and we'll, I think we'll talk about this later, about the forward balance. I don't think it's that far off. I just think, yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll get that in a minute. In terms of what you said about the defenders, I would hate to play fullbacks and halfback, back pocket, whatever it is for Essen at the moment, because... We haven't been able to... So all year, we have been the worst team in the competition at allowing opposition teams to go from D50 into forward 50. So from our forward 50 into our D50. What has changed really since the bye, where we've won one out of six games, we're one and six and we beat Adelaide by three goals, right? So we're not... We haven't been good since the bye. But what's happened is that we're not the quality of entries that we're conceding are worse than they were when we're winning games. And that's because teams have figured out our zone. And I think you mentioned this on the board, so I'm not going to steal your thunder so much, but the the type of entries teams are getting are far deeper and exposing our defenders 1v1. And when we do win it back, the poor defenders win it back in the back pocket and there's no movement up the field. So that transition game we had going is you know really struggling when you lose Jordan Ridley who's arguably the best kick in the team that was always going to happen as well but that's I not think, arguable that's not yeah. arguable at all he's definitely the best oh, kick in our team Zach Merritt could make an argument but we'll, we'll get oh, we'll, mm, we'll, 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 yeah. we'll save that <laughs> argument for another time but it's you're at a position now where the defenders are getting the ball deeper and they can't transition it so the ball it's becoming repeat entries and repeat inside 50s and they're shallow rebounds whereas i think earlier in the year we're putting enough pressure up the field like you said so that the ball was getting kicked inside 50 shallow and we were bouncing outside basically from the top of the d50 but i'll i'll, I'll defer to you here because you made a really interesting point which i really agree with about our zone and how teams are just kicking short at the moment and i noticed it watching the really the last four weeks but i'll, I'll let you explain it because i don't want to steal your thunder yeah so it's something i actually you might remember i mentioned it with the carlton game when i'll talk about nick martin's defensive efforts and that he just got pushed back he, just, he was just pushing back to space and sort of forgot to man up on his opponent and then he, he picked that up for the rest of the game so it, it's something i've noticed that it's sort of a bit of a trend in that we're really good at pushing back and covering space, but it's almost like we forget that we've got direct opponents. So what happens then is we push back in up space. The direct opponent then sits, you know, in front of our zone and it's a 15, 20-meter kick on a 45 or even a 90-degree angle. The kick comes. We then have to push up to man the mark. They then open the zone up and and away we go. And it's just something that, that we're going that's, – that's, that's the next level of our defense. So mm-hmm. – I think last year under truck, we tried to go man on man and it just fell apart horrendously. So Brad Scott's (laughs) come in and gone, look, we're going to set up this zone and this zone is going to cover the ground. We're going to cover the ground better with the zone. And it's worked really well. The problem is he now needs to get the playing group to the next level, which is where truck was trying to get us to go to with this man on man style stuff. So you have your zone, but then when the zone breaks down, you're able to reset and go man on man and actually shut it down that way. And we haven't been able to do the next step. So so Brad this year has obviously come in. He's come in and gone at a slower approach to truck. I think they, I think him and truck, 
end result, we were hoping for the same thing. It's just he's gone a different approach, and it's looked all right at the start of the year because teams were a little bit surprised by the fact that we're no longer playing this man-on-man, and, and, and our zone's been really good, and we cover the ground really well. But now they've sort of realised, okay, what you do against Essen is you don't you don't press, you don't go hard. What you do is you, you get your ball, take your 45-degree kick, you do that two or three times, and then the zone breaks down, and then you go, and then you rip through them, and then, unfortunately, you know, Zerk Thatcher and Laverde and... And Ridley when he was playing and everybody else down there gets slaughtered because this zone that's meant to be back there helping them fill the space is no longer filling the, filling the space because they've all pushed up to man the mark or, you know, they've all pushed up to push pressure on the, the ball carrier further up the ground. And it yeah. just – so it, it, the thing is I actually don't know what the answer to that is because it's very tricky to switch from a zone to a man-on-man and the good sides do it. Yeah. And are we a good side? Can we do it? Because so far, every time it's been asked of us to do it, we haven't been able to. It's not a preseason in, in under the belts. Probably changes that, I guess. Yeah, I think it's actually partly yes. Just it's a new system, and anytime you bring a new system, it's hard to to implement perfectly. But the other thing I think we lack is speed in our forward half. So we have so many guys when the balls are intercepted on the wing or half back, they get caught in no man's land, right? So that they're not pushing up onto the mark and they're not they're not really back in the zone position and they're not quick enough to recover. Like Will Snelling, even you know, Matt Guelphy, even like a Jai Menzi, who we all like, they're not super quick players. They're good in short and intermediate areas in closing down space, but they're not fast over 20 30 meters what's required to basically set up a zone quickly into close space in the zone and so there's a, a bunch of players and peter wright's the same i think since we've gone two rucks and peter wright and kyle langford and jake stringer before last week we were a bit tall up forward and we just weren't able to have the speed particularly forward or center to set the great zone up fast enough and I think once that we realized that, particularly against the bulldogs in geelong the zone was getting set up further and further back and so that's what I meant by like the the inside pitches were conceding, we're getting deeper and deeper because we're basically doing you know, a, a semi flood back into defensive fifty, but then we weren't fast enough on the offense to get it out and to get that rebound. And when you're starting so deep, you know it's really hard to get that ball moving. Moving, and I don't know whether it's a symptom of just playing really good teams as well. Like we've played, I think it's Port Adelaide, Adelaide. And Adelaide just pumped Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide's top four. Geelong, reigning premier in Geelong. And uh, Western Bulldogs, who you know generally clip us anyway. So we've played some decent teams. And they've really given us a clip. And I think that rolls bonds into our next part of the pod. Is there any other positive? I, I, Zach Merritt was industrious as ever, but a bit of a lone hand. Any other positives before we move on to the, the big questions for the rest of the oh. year? Yeah, there's another positive I want to raise right now, and it's sure, got nothing to do with Essen, and that is the Matildas have gone 1-0 up in their knockout game against, which is essentially a knockout game against Canada in the World Cup. <laughs> so, um, and for those uh, ones, yeah, Hayley Razo put one in, so uh, we'll take the we'll take the lead anyway. <laughs> and, and, and for uh, anyone that was uh, wondering when we're recording, we're obviously recording on a Monday night. Um, so, well, I wanted to chat less about the last game because we all watched it. We all got heartbroken by the ending. I wanted to talk about the rest of 2023. And and really, the first question I wanted to ask, and I'll give you the new ball. Bonds has the last three weeks, which has been even caught the last four or five weeks with the loss against Porter and the, the game against Hadley. Has the last three weeks been below our best 
or has it been a reality check? Like, is this just who we are or has this been, you know, poor and below our best and our standards? So it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because yeah. we started the season with such promise. You know, you know it, was, it was promise that sort of came from, from nowhere. Um, I think it, last year, you know, Rowan Connolly got stuck in the UME about the fact that we were so negative in our predictions and then our predictions this year weren't much, much, much better. We were right last year, by the way, Rowan Connolly, if you're listening. Uh, but that's all right. Move on. Yeah, and I think we were probably still still right this year in that in that we we sort of said we were probably in that bottom echelon of teams, and I think maybe we still are, and we've just jagged a couple of wins that maybe we shouldn't have. Yep. But I, I, look, I said, I said after the Geelong game on the board that you know it's it's an inc- it, the Geelong game was incredibly frustrating, and then the Bulldogs game was the same, and the Swans game was also again incredibly frustrating, and and the losses do start to build up, and they and as a supporter they start to to hit the mindset, and they start to really really make you think about what's going on, and you start getting a bit more negative. But the reality is the losses don't undo the good work earlier in the year. Regardless of what anyone says, we showed earlier in the year that we could beat Melbourne, who are still a bloody good side. You know, we we ran Collingwood close. We ran Port Adelaide close twice. And, and yeah, okay, that's brave losses, and I'm sick of brave losses, and I I get that I'm sort of contradicting myself a little bit. But we still did it. So so the, the three losses we've had recently don't change that fact. Do they take some of the shine off it? They absolutely do because, you know, it, it, the season isn't going to end the way that we thought it was probably going to maybe four or five weeks ago. But that still doesn't mean that we've had a shit season throughout the whole time. It's just the next step is being able to play like we did in the first half of the year, the whole year, and against all the sides, especially Geelong because Fuck me dead. I'm sick of turning up and just not being able to watch the game after a quarter of time because it's already dead. <laughs> so you you think the last three weeks has been below our best as opposed to a reality check? Uh, it's probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Okay. I think probably earlier in the year we probably played above our best a little bit. Yep. And I think now we're probably playing below our best by about the same that we played above our best. So yeah. so <laughs> I I think if you I think if you averaged it out, we've probably played where we should have for most of the year. It's just that at different times we've played above and below. Yeah. I, I tend to think it's a reality check, personally. I just think I'm going to jump onto the back of what you said about sick of getting smacked by Geelong every time we play them. I'm sick of getting smacked by Western Bulldogs every time we play them. I'm sick of losing to Collingwood in a similar way every freaking Anzac day. I'm sick of getting pumped by Brisbane. And the two losses against Port Adelaide were fine. But again, we really should have beaten Port Adelaide, but we lost because our end of game situational awareness wasn't on. And I could just tell the way that last minute was set up that we we're going to lose it. But this is too consistent for it to be below our best. This is a reality check. The good teams touch us up with the exception of Melbourne in a weird sort of round of football, which was not Magic Round or whatever the AFL's rebranded it from the NRL, gather round. Otherwise, you know, the good teams that always touch us up have touched us up. This is a reality check. We we got a we, we snared a good win against Richmond. Great. Richmond aren't in the eight. And then we went on and beat Carlton, who was, you know, doing terribly West Coast and North Melbourne, and only just beat North. So I, I tend to think I've been saying all year that we're not as good as we look. A lot of people saying, oh, we might be, you know, contenders in a couple of years. We're a long way off that. And I think this has been the reality check we needed. Moving that on to the next question, and I'll ask you again, new ball, 
considering where we are now, we're outside the eight. We haven't got a great percentage, uh, nine wins. We probably need to win both North Melbourne and West Coast by a lot. And then one of Collingwood or GWS. GWS have won seven straight. They're running red hot and probably have to rely on other results to make the finals. What should be the priority this year? Should it be blooding young kids that we haven't yet, guys like Boss and, and Wanganeen and Baldwin and just D'Ambrosio when he's back fit, who haven't get, been able to get a run? Or do you think it's important to try gun and get those sort of three wins re- required to make the finals? What what should be the priority this year? It's funny you mentioned because <laughs> it's actually a, another post I actually made earlier in the week in the Brad Scott Coach thread, and by the way, David Warner just got out. So fuck me, bloody England are going to roll us, aren't they? Anyway, oh. um, so I actually said in the Brad Scott thread earlier in the week that if we lost on Saturday night, for me the chase for finals was over. It'd be lovely if we got there it, it, as a byproduct, but I, I think I think you look at it now and go final, finals for us is probably done because our percentage isn't great, which is probably sort of backs up your point a little bit with our percentage being so low, despite the fact we've had so many wins. And and, and the issue then becomes, well, what, as you've said, as you've asked, what do we do? You know, if, if finals are gone, what do you do? And I and I said in the Brad Scott thread earlier, last Friday, you know, this club has a long history of backing players in. So so we back our players in. You know, the Angus Monfries, the Henry Slatteries, the... I'm probably being harsh on Monfries there, but you, you know what I mean. You, you know what you know. Where I'm coming from the, the the players that are that are decent, but are probably never going to take us that next step. We just keep backing them in again and again and again because we're always chasing that final spot. But the reality, as I said, I think the finals is gone. So at that point, when it's gone, you need to start throwing your fringe players in. So you need to be able to see what these players have mm. got. So you, you know your Vosses and 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 um, as you said, your Baldwin's. And you rep Montgomery's and all, all these sort of guys. Yeah, you, 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 at some point, you know, you need to actually see what they've got because it's all well and good to say, for for example, for a Patrick Voss to say, oh, he's been okay at VFL level, but he hasn't set the world on fire. Look at the midfield that's giving him the ball compared to what he'd get at the AFL level. I mean, we've got no idea. He could he could turn up at the AFL level and have you know Zach Merritt and uh, Mason Redman and Jordan Ridley and all these other guys who can actually hit targets. Maybe even your favourite player in Darcy Parish. Oh. <laughs> hit, 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 hit. You know what I mean? Like. The, the quality of delivery he would get at AFL level is much better. But we don't know if that's going to make any difference to him because we haven't seen that yet. You know, same with Montgomery at the other end. The backline he'll have around him at AFL level is much better supporting cast. Yes, he'll have a much better opponent than he gets at VFL level, but we don't know what he's going to look like when he's surrounded by AFL quality players. Yeah. And we've missed that in the past. So... You know, I, I know I've I banged on him when he was at the club, but but Tom Hurd, you know, we we never saw what Tom Hurd could do. We never really saw what you know Dean Wallace's son Tom could Wallace. do. Yeah, yeah, Tom Wallace. Sorry, you know, could he have been a gun? We don't know. Going back years, Dylan Van Unen, I think it was. You know, we never saw. Like, yeah, so I, I we, think we still don't try those guys. So yeah, I, I think I understand your point, and I. I I think my point's going to piggyback off that when I say that we have a list spot crunch at the end of the year. So we've got a lot of guys, we have got not a lot of obvious guys coming out of contract that you would want to move on. We've got a lot of rookies, a lot of untried guys, and a lot of guys on big money. 
like Darcy Parrish, who you know, everyone said he's my favorite player, but I'm not getting into that argument now. Actually, I'm sick of talking about him. But um, <laughs> like dead set, <laughs> I've lost my train of thought. Um, you've triggered me. But um, so we've got a lot of guys that are just untried. So we've got Patrick Voss out of contract, Rick Montgomery, Massimo D'Ambrosio, um, Anthony Miller, Tupperwoody, all these players. At some point, there has to be some level of exploration as to who they are. Don't tell me Patrick Voss wouldn't have taken half of the marks that Peter Wright dropped against Sydney on the weekend. Now, I'm not saying we have to drop Wright for him, but it goes to your point of, you know, if he got the delivery that some of our players are getting that aren't making the mess most of it, then let's see what... And if he doesn't cut it, then great, we know what we have, which is someone, a list spot at the end of the year. Same thing with... Uh, Mass, who's out, Massimo Dembrosa, who's out of contract. You know what? Ridley's out. We know exactly what Nick Hines going to give us. We know exactly what Jake Kelly's going to give us. We know exactly what Dyson Helper's going to give us. We have no illusions as to what they're going to do if they're on our list next year. We have no idea what Massimo Dembrosa might turn into if we give him three, four weeks off halfback. And we can't make educated decisions at the end of this year without that. And the yeah, bigger yeah, thing for yeah. me is... West Coast and North Melbourne the next two weeks. If you're going to throw a young player into the team to see what he's got, this is the two weeks to do it. Don't wait until we're fighting for our lives against GWS and Collingwood and the heat's too hot and it's an impossible situation for a first gamer to come into. Give them two games now. If they don't work, go back to Old Faithful for GWS and Collingwood. But don't get to the end of the year not knowing who they are. It's a waste of our time. And Brad Scott, I think he got confused. He was said today, oh, we're not going to sacrifice the short term for the long term. We, you know, we're disappointed that we might not make finals, but we're building something bigger. So he's contradicted himself. I think he meant we're not going to sacrifice the long term for the short term. But that's just what the next two weeks has to be. Elijah Sardis, what have you got? We're not going to delist you in at the end of the year, but, you know, give us a lift. I don't know. Sorry rant over yeah and, and the thing is right that then means obviously fans need to be patient yeah and, and that's a part of the that's the biggest part of the problem i think that we've had at this club for a while is fans just aren't patient so so we play all these kids which, which i think we should and by some miracle either west coast or north melbourne beats us you know brad scott they'll be calling for his head there'll be people literally out there calling for his head because we lost to one of those two teams. I would cop a loss against one of those sides if we were to f- fill the, the team with kids. Well, North almost beat us too, uh, oh. earlier in the year, like with basically you know, um, midfield firing. Uh, so they had basically their entire midfield missing and they almost beat us. It took a mass goal in the last quarter to seal it. So like if North Melbourne roll over and kick our butts in two weeks' time and we're blooding kids, who's, who's to be surprised? Like... Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, we'll, we'll we'll move on to this week. So we're we're playing West Coast in Melbourne at Etihad, which has not been a happy hunting ground for the West Coast Eagles this year. Um, they got belted by Carlton by about ninety points by half time two weeks ago. They're fresh off a big win. When I say big, I mean it's a week a win, so it's big for West Coast. But um, against North, oh, Melbourne, they, they North played against North, who were tanking. Yeah, there's but, no way North lose to that side if they're not trying to drop games. Yeah, and I, I tend to think th- I'm tend to be glad that um they won this week. Hopefully, the edge is taken off next week. They pack it in for the trip to Melbourne, like they have all season. But if we're if we're any serious as a football club, 
will win this game. And I think if we don't go the kids, which we're saying we should, if we don't, then this should be a 10-goal win and we really need to be starting to build back some percentage. Yeah, well, we absolutely will. I mean, we need all the percentage we can get. So the thing is, right, if we some, if we win the next two weeks, build up the confidence, knock off GWS, all of a sudden the finals are back on the table. I don't think we should be chasing them, but I can say that the club may do that because Gary O'Donnell said it on the, the podcast, you know, four weeks ago and I, and I tend to agree with him that if we don't make final if we don't make finals this year considering where we were it's probably a failure because we probably should have even though at the start of the year we didn't think we should yeah uh, I'm a bit more flexible on that um I look at the season in in its entirety I had us at 10 wins this year and I had us at nine to ten wins this year and we're at nine now so you know actually no I'm looking back I'm looking at uh, I'm eight to nine so we're already at what I expected so it's a positive as far as I'm concerned but I understand your point Matilda's a two nil up Grizz we're going through the oh, knockout stages I'm oh, calling it early all right well at least it's going better than the cricket but <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah I, I I tend to think that regardless of what finals or not for this week this is like this is must win. Um, West Coast. I'm looking at yeah. I watched their game against North Melbourne. They did everything they could to lose that game. Like that was <laughs> so bad. You know they had almost uh, 70 more disposals than North Melbourne did. The quality of game in general was pretty low. But I'm hoping that we see at least two or three changes to this team. I would like to see Sartis given a run. I'd like to see Voss given a run, and I would like to see one of the Ruckman go, and just play sort of Peter Wright as the second ruck. And then if Mass is fit, play him. But I think he may have picked up a corky, so he may be out. What, what are you looking for this week? Well, I'm going this week, which will be the second game I've been to. The other one I went to, of course, was, uh, I think I mentioned it, was, was the Carlton game. So I'm looking for a win, which would be nice because it's been very rare that I've been able to go to games and had a 100% success rate. I think I've picked my games well this year for that, though. <laughs> um I'm probably look. I'm I'm probably looking at Zerk Thatcher to maybe do a bit of a job on West Coast. I th- I, I think I think his um, intercept marking has probably been underrated a little bit. Matilda's second goal just got ruled out. Anyway, Elijah's uh, out too, so two 0 down. Oh fuck! Jesus, this is going horribly. <laughs> it's all falling apart. Um, this is a football podcast. Back to football. Sorry. Back to football. So, yeah. So, Zerk Thatcher, his intercept marking, I think, has been underrated this year. I thought he'd done really well for that. He's been beaten one-on-one a few times and a couple of players got hold of him. And I think Oscar Allen could probably do that. He um, did it. Early in the year, I think Oscar Allen kicked four. So, Zerk will be looking yeah. to square up, I think. Yeah. So, it's the same thing that we sort of mentioned or I sort of mentioned on the board back before the Geelong game. Unfortunately, he didn't square up against Hawkins, but I don't think that was his fault. I think that was just the fact that our midfield just shit themselves against Geelong for whatever reason. So I think I'm looking at at him this week to to probably have a big game, and and that's what I'd like to see. And I would like to see a, a zone set up defensively that doesn't fall apart once the opposition starts chip, chip, chipping the ball around. But I don't think I'm going to see that this week because I don't. A, I don't think West Coast have the ability to chip, chip, chip around successfully. And B, Brad Scott's not going to fix it overnight. Yep. No, nah, West Coast will win by blood and force trauma if they do. They will win because their midfield gets on top, which they shouldn't because their midfield is not that good at the moment. But yeah, you know, this is where you know you hope to see players like Merritt and Parrish and Caldwell and Hobbs really cash in. Like let's you know they they beat Sydney pretty comprehensively in the contested possession and clearances on the weekend and didn't make the most of it. So yeah, you know, 
you're two nils back. We're back. We're back. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, look, this stopped being about football about five minutes ago, didn't it? Um, so we'll, we'll probably call it there. Just your quick tip and a crazy prediction for this week, Bonds. Uh, I think I think we'll probably win by ten goals, and let's say uh, Scott goes nuts and goes full sheedy in the last quarter, switches him around, and Zerk kicks three. Zerk kicks three. Oh wow, it would be party time if Zerk kicks three. All right, um, yeah, I'm probably going us by six goals. I think uh Langford will kick six he'll he'll top his career best which will be fun to watch so um thank you everyone for your patience for the last three weeks um and thank you for listening today Bond thanks for jumping on that's all right I hope everyone enjoyed my uh updates on the, the soccer and the cricket I'm sure they'll be much appreciated yeah I'm, I'm sure they wouldn't have known the scores by the time this podcast is produced so they'll be glad to know from us but that will wrap us up for tonight thank you for listening make sure you like subscribe and tell your bombers supporting mates go bombers this week let's go for a win <laughs>